This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, welcome everyone. Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radio Podcast. Good to have you here. We're the gold standard of automotive aftermarket service podcasts. And I am one of the most, I get up my soapbox all the time and talk about training, training, training. And my guests do so much to make sure that we're keeping training resumes, that we're working with our technicians on training, that we're sitting with our people and saying, hey, what's just come up this week that we need to have a little bit more information on, which means maybe a virtual training center, maybe a face-to-face. I'm here with a great panel from NAPA, NAPA Training Group. Scott Cachetta with me, the director of NAPA Autotech Training Sales and Business Development. Good to have you here, Scott. Hi. Great to be here, Carm. Thanks for having us. And thanks for pulling the team together. Alan Bass is with us, Napa Auto Tech Training Manager or Management in the management team for major accounts. Hi, Alan. Hello, Carm. Good to hear from you. Glad to be here. And thanks for making some time for us. I can't wait to hear about your stuff, all the great stuff you're doing. And Randy McClure. Randy, I forgot to get your title. What is it exactly? Just like Alan, I'm the regional manager of the western half of the country. Alan covers the eastern half. So we say we kind of split it at the Mississippi River there. And is that true? Is it, do you ever, guys ever get together and just kind of float on the bayou there at all? No, uh, we don't do any floating, but yeah, we kind of get together sometimes more <laughs> often than we want. Look at guys, I care about understanding your perspective on daytime, nighttime training, assessments. Alan, before we turned on the recorder, said, sometimes I even do week-long training. And I think, wow, that's cool. And that would be daytime. Do people learn better during the daytime, Alan? Well, one of the things they haven't spent eight or nine hours in a maybe hot environment or rough environment. And then we see them and expect them to absorb high-tech material after work. And sometimes it's a lot to expect from a technician. It's needed. Don't get me wrong, but it's sometimes not the best way to gather their attention and keep them fresh. Yeah, I hear roast beef, chicken, and pizza put you to sleep somehow. Yeah, barn, turk arm. I've been in those classes at night. And I tell you, after lasagna or a pizza feast, forget it. It's the rolling back of the eyes. And it really puts a burden on the instructors to make sure that they're engagers. We don't say that they're entertainers, but absolutely they have to be skilled at reading the audience to make sure we haven't lost. You should just say, hey, come to our Thanksgiving training evening here. <laughs> Doesn't that happen every Thanksgiving, guys? I mean, come on. That's tradition. You definitely leave turkey off the menu. Yeah. Eat, football, sleep in that order. No trip to fam for you. Next. Napa Auto Care Centers are recognized as an integral piece to what sets Napa apart from the competition. And the Napa Auto Care brand? Well, it continues to be fully integrated into the national marketing strategy by optimizing targeted media in local markets and improving channels. Don't forget, Napa Auto Care Centers have an online presence on Napa Online with the Auto Care Locator Tool, generating millions of views per month. If you're interested in partnering with Napa Auto Care and capitalizing on America's largest network of parts and care, talk to your Napa Auto Parts sales rep today. Well, look at guys, I care to really dive into this because there's people listening to this, they're bought in. Training is part of their culture. It's like their left or right arm. It's there. And there are many, some people even have come up to me and I say, what's the latest training classes you've sent your team to? And then I hear these crazy words, my people won't go to training. And then the next word out of my mouth or the next statement that I say, well, who owns the business? And, you know, I, I got slapped upside of the head by making that cocky 
statement back. Come on, Carm, get off my back. And then we have a really intelligent discussion about, you know, how quickly things are changing. I can't imagine, Scott, what it takes to keep your training current and relevant. I just can't imagine how hard you guys have to work. Well, it's constant. And interestingly, this year, we had a revelation of breaking the development team into a separate entity so that they could remain focused on building new future thinking content. Back in the day, we'd have developers that would support us when business got strong and we needed more instructors. It was a little bit hodgepodge, but now with this focus, they're keeping us cutting edge. The other thing is, though, taking you back to the instructors, it's so important to make sure that we're keeping our instructors trained because it's very easy. Snap of a finger, they can get stagnant and fall behind. So it's fine line as we're putting together our calendars and honoring the requests of our class sponsors. We have to say, hey, time out. We need to block off some time. We uh, attend a lot of train shows together, Carm. And when we send our instructors to give some free complimentary training, it's a twofold benefit. One is that organization gets quality training. But at the same time, we say instructor, make sure you're taking advantage of everyone else's training to keep your sword sharp, if you will. What a great point. I don't know a trainer that doesn't go to other training classes. And for a couple of things, are they a little further ahead than we are? And or what can I learn from the class? And number three, how's their training style? I mean, are they as animated as I am? Are they moving around? And there's so much. I mean, if you're a professional trainer, you're in at 724. Am I right, Randy? Absolutely. You have to watch everyone else. because You might pick up on one little thing from that other trainer that you can incorporate into your technique and your skill set. And now you're just a little bit better than you were on the day before. So without a doubt, they have to. So I, what I know about Napa is your incredible push into EV tools, technology. And I can't imagine, Scott, being in that meeting saying, by the way, Scott, here's our vision for the next two years. We're doing all this EV stuff. And you walk out of the room and say, team, get together. We got to start writing really smart, sharp, great classes for ADAS, EVs, hybrids, the whole connected car thing. What a challenge. Well, I'll tell you, one of the revelations that came about when we decided to get into this new venture, we call it Next Drive, building some content for the future, is it's not an inexpensive proposition. In other words, you mentioned tools. Absolutely. I think we've all recognized that the days of buying a socket set, having a hammer and few screwdrivers, those are long gone. Now people are investing 10 grand for just something to hold in their hand. And that's before even getting into EV. Now, you couple that with when you're trying to develop content, you have to make an investment in those vehicles so you can tear them apart, analyze them, discover what makes them go, makes them stop. We have invested big time this year. Our Napa Autotech Research Center up in Ohio is packed to the gills and continuing to have more hybrids and electric vehicles come in there. And it's funny because those babies that I bought from local dealerships at what I thought was a fair deal, they are strewn apart. I was just up there last week and it's like, what happened to my beautiful cars? And we're like, I'm out, Scott. Let me show you what this does and how this works. And it's pretty neat. Open heart surgery, huh? That's a good way to put it. In the 80s and 90s, there was so much new, use air quotes, technology on the cars. <laughs> Nothing like what we have today. And there were some naysayers back there. So, Alan, Randy, when you sit down with clients, you sit down with shop owners, you sit down with uh, technicians, are they like all over this embracing it to the nines, not saying, oh, that's going to go away. I don't need that now. I got five years to wait. What are you hearing? Well, a lot of them are kind of like, 
that's only 2% of the vehicles now, but it's just going to continue to become more prevalent, more in our industry. I remember the 70s when, well, drivability has changed with computers and computer-controlled carburetors and fuel injection. As you know, that changed over a 10-year period. Now we seem to be going through those sessions in every year, year and a half. So it's really expedited the learning process. And I'm really glad that a lot of the younger generation is really kind of buying into the technology. They're not afraid of it. They're not worried about it. But they do need to have the basics to get to that level since we're so shy on technicians across the country. I mean, you just opened up the biggest can of worms we have. Discussion, you can read an article every day, written by every press, even what we do here on the podcast, talking about the technician shortage, where are we going to, how are we going to fill our ranks? And the thing that I love about what you guys are doing, and I don't know a whole hell of a lot about it, so you guys can help me, is the Build a Tech program, because I think it's brilliant. Actually, it's been out there for about six years now, and it's just a way to get technicians from being just on the loop rack to where they can start to move up, to where they can start to work on brakes, steering and suspension, some electrical diagnosis, since that's a part of every part of a car now, Carmen, you know, get into HVAs and start to actually make their companies more money, which in turn gives them the opportunity to make more money. It it changes from being just a job to getting into a career. And a lot of the younger people I talk to, all they want is a high-tech career of some kind. Why not automotive? I mean, it is there. And we just got to get more younger people excited to get in this business. I did see a statistic the other day that when new people try being a technician, if they don't like where they're working, they don't just leave that shop. They leave the industry. And that's scary. We got to find a way to excite them, promote them, and let them know how great of a career they can have if they invest their time and effort. Before we move on to Randy's response to that, you're right. I'm on an advisory panel of our local college, and we know that stat to be so true, Alan. And going back, I did not know that Build a Tech has been out for six years. Okay, so shame on me for not knowing that. But I believe this, never more important than now, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Randy, if you would, as you're speaking, I'm not sure if Carmen's aware of the calling card of Build-A-Tech and why it's so appealing for shop owners. Yeah, the biggest thing with our Build-A-Tech program card is you're absolutely right, and so is Alan. Technicians don't fall off trees anymore. We don't have those good qualified, you know, master certified techs walking in your building looking for a job. You've got a guy that just came in off the street that maybe knows enough to change oil and maybe mount a tire. And you're hiring because he's got a good work ethic and a good attitude, you know, and he wants to learn. And then you invest some time and you invest a little bit of money in him. And you're sending through our Build-A-Tech program. But the biggest thing with our Build-A-Tech program is when we come in to teach that class, we don't tie up a money-making bay in the shop. We don't take away from them earning money to teach. We don't teach the guys how to do brakes on one Toyota Camry because that's what I got from the rental car agency this week. We bring in mock-ups and we set them up on tables in the back of the room and we'll bring in five to six different types of drum brakes, five to six different kinds of disc brakes. We bring in master cylinders on a mock-up. We teach them how to do bench bleeding. We teach them how to do work and service on all these different brakes and all these different types so that when they go back to the shop, they have a comfortability and confidence in their own aptitude and their own skill set that they can go back and now do a brake job 
and maybe with a little bit of supervision, know that they can do it without any comebacks and any kind of complications. But that's the last thing the shop owner wants is a guy to go to class and come back and not be able to do the services. So we make sure they can do the services because they have to do it in front of us and our instructors. So it's a great thing. Now, Scott, how many regional componentry trucks do you have out there? Because we have mock-ups in big Husky and DeWalt cases. And inside those are all the mock-up frames and network of, you know, salvage yard parts that we've put together. So they're all working, functioning car parts that we put together and we go out and salvage and collect ourselves. And we build these things and we bring in all this stuff in rolling cases and they just load it up in the back of a minivan and they drive to the next location. Jeez. So I can only imagine what the EV training is going to be like. It's interesting you bring that up because EV will be in a facility or facilities across the country where people come to that. You just can't do a traveling roadshow with something to that extent. I will add to though Randy's comment, you know, we've come so full circle. Farm, you know me, I've been doing 36 years on the sales side, now four years on the training side. Our old adage was you always lead with breaks. Get the break business, you get the bones. And we do a great job with our breaks build a tech program. When I was floored, it wasn't too long ago when we were presenting to a potential customer, the electrical build a tech class. And they said, no, oh, that isn't important to us. And let's move on. And my jaw just dropped because when you think of what the future is, folks don't know the electrical side of the business were some. So we've got to do a better job of convincing folks. I don't want to say that everyone can do a great job, but not everyone can do the electrical and understand the perils that exist if you're not schooled in it. So uh, we're going to keep pressing on that electrical one until we get some people understanding. That reminds me of taking that individual who says electrical is not important to us. Take them off to the side, put your arm around them, walk them down, go out into the forest, walk through the trees and say, remember the graduate, most, you know, I got to give you a word for the future, plastics, right? <laughs> maybe to you, maybe maybe people are too young to remember. It was such a huge takeaway from that movie. It's like, come on, if you're going to do anything, you got to be into plastics, right? And that's the, if you will, Dutch uncle discussion you need to have with people that say, come to the intro class, just wet your whistle. Just, I don't care if you remember just one thing. And that will hopefully... In my mind, I always want to learn something new, keep in the back of my mind. And then, was, then all of a sudden, common sense and stuff, boom, and this hits and that hits. And you say, wow, there are classes like that. I better go out and be serious about them. Yeah. When you think about Bell the Tech, and sure, some of it is classroom discussion. Some of it then is showing them how to do it. Boy, when you bring them out and have them touch and feel and work on those mock-ups, that's where you can start seeing it searing to the gray matter where it's sticking tell a quick story because when our customers engage with build a tech we'll start off dabbling in breaks and then a month later send those same technicians to say electrical well that happened and those same students who did breaks a month ago one kid was boasting i say kid because we're of a different generation and he was boasting because he said you know a customer came in with drum breaks and everyone looked at each other like never worked on drum brakes before. And he says, well, I have just a month ago. And this newbie was all of a sudden the go-to person for fixing drum brakes in that shop. And talk about pride and just building up someone's self-image. Don't you think classic cars are going to become ever more important this day forward with all the EV stuffs there? And, you know, how do you zoop up a, an EV? I'd like to know that. A bigger battery, more windings. Oh, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, but you can't hear it. <laughs> it doesn't have the soul of a V8. 
A reality of doing business today is facing a technician shortage, and Napa Auto Care has a free solution with the Napa Auto Care Apprentice Program. The program was pioneered by one of our own, Pete McNeil and Master Technician Jake Sorensen from McNeil's Auto Care in Sandy, Utah, and they realized that the problem of not having technicians available for hire was not going to solve itself and decided to take action. A focus was put on younger individuals with the right passion, desire, aptitude, and attitude to work in the automotive repair industry. Jake and Pete sought after these individuals and developed a technician apprentice program to give them the training needed to become a successful technician in today's world. The Napa Auto Care Apprentice Program includes a comprehensive nine-stage curriculum that includes a variety of types of training, including exclusive in-depth classroom training videos, instructor-led Napa Auto Tech classes, web-based Auto Tech e-learning courses, and practice skills with hands-on learning in the shop with the guidance of a mentor. The apprentice program curriculum is competency-based, meaning an apprentice can move through each stage at a pace that best suits them. Most apprentices complete the program within two years, and upon completion, apprentices will have earned four ASE certifications, G1, A4, A5, and AC certifications, adding industry validation to the skills an apprentice acquires. Apprentice graduates are also registered with the Department of Labor as journey worker automotive technicians. Having an apprentice in your shop will ultimately benefit your shop as they advance through the program. In most cases, as the apprentice develops their skill set producing billable hours, you'll see a growth in your gross profit by stage five. One of the largest entry barriers for individuals looking to enter the automotive repair industry is the cost of tools. To keep your apprentice motivated, they receive an apprentice toolkit, including a four-drawer tool cart for all registered apprentices. Together, Nap Auto Care and your shop can fix the technician shortage. Start now, grow your own, and build your bench. Our future technicians can come from our concentrated efforts, and it's free. Contact your NAPA representative to learn more, or log in to member.napaautocare.com, or contact your servicing NAPA Auto Parts stores sales representative. So a question about the apprentice program. Unbelievable great national apprentice program with Napa, I'm sure Build-A-Tech is like integrated. It is. Right now, the apprentice program, probably a thousand, pushing a thousand technicians that shops have enrolled into that program. And it's a two-year program. Some get it done in 18 months. But yes, after doing some study and hands-on mentorship at the shop, then they send them to some Build-A-Tech for that kind of experience. And then as it gets on in the program, you start doing the nighttime training, what we call the tech updates, to give them a taste of that technical side. And again, it's a fine line. You don't want to lose them. But uh, in 18 months, we've got some pretty viable candidates that are ready to take this industry by the horns. Guys, I badly want to discuss in the next few minutes a bunch of stuff like learning management systems. I want to talk about assessments because I think these are such critical components of a good training program. Scott, why don't you lead us off? Well, it's funny that all near and dear to my heart, first, the learning management system, that LMS can make or break a training organization. We've been fortunate to have a couple that we've evolved through. And now we're currently moving to a brand new one. And I equate it, I guess, in my pea brain as we're going from the Flintstones to the Jetsons because things have evolved quickly. And if you can picture someone using an older system where they see the circle of death or they're waiting for something to come back with a response, now it's instantaneous and that in itself is engaging. So our LMS has been rolling out and will be completed by the end of this year. We're excited about it. It does integrate 
and that's where the apprentice program resides, but also our e-learning library where we've got over 450 modules. And boy, if those aren't working properly or rocket fast, that can be awful frustrating for the end user. So our end game is always thinking in terms of who is our customer, who is the student, and let's make this a great experience. So Randy, Alan, you're out in front of people and you're doing the class, but are you getting them to get back onto the LMS and complete? Who's helping track the training that your students are going through? Our LMS does a really good job of piecing back together along with the assessments that is required in each piece of the apprentice program, as well as their mentors in the shop. So it's a multi-pronged approach to keeping them engaged. And that makes them sticky to that organization. We recently have uh, utilized even another piece of technology. Uh, We used to be on a virtual training platform. There's many out there, and I'm not going to name who we were on, but it just did not keep up with the times. So we found a new one, and it's just working fabulously, not only in the speed of videos playing, also the ability to chat, have separate chat rooms. So even though virtual training but honestly, as now post-pandemic, I dwindled down to about 10 to 15% of all the training we provide. There's still a place for it, and it's got to be good. The one great benefit of that virtual training, as you might imagine, with your reach of a remarkable radio here or remarkable results, is the fact that those virtual classrooms are immense. And we get customers putting hundreds of folks in there, as opposed to Randy and Alan's classes, the hands-on ones that have max capacity of 16, or our nighttime classes, where your room size is the max capacity. So, boy, we even though we only have 10% in virtual land, uh, we really do have some reach nationally with this new platform. Randy, is virtual here to stay? I think virtual is definitely here to stay because there are certain areas of the country where it's not feasible for a guy to work eight to five or a person to work eight to five and then drive to a class that might be two or three hours away. So he'd be leaving at three o'clock in the afternoon. It's just not physically possible. So I think there is definitely always going to be a need for virtual. But like Scott said, I don't think it's ever going to be a large portion of our business, but I definitely see it staying anywhere from 15 to 20% of our business without a doubt. How do you control virtual guys? I guess I could go home at night, flip on the virtual class, go watch a TV show, hang out with my kids, come back. I'm not professing that people do this. So how do you get the, you said such an important word, Alan, you said the word sticky. It's one of my most favoritest words and develop the connection, be it a sticky customer, be the loyalty that stickiness creates. An individual is going to take a virtual class. It's your job for your customer to know that they learned something during it, you know, that LMS. So is there testing and assessments in virtual today? Yeah, there are test questions in the middle of it. It's a way for us to engage and see just how much attention they're paying. And at the end, there's actually a report that prints out how how engaged were they? Did they stay focused on the class? Or you actually can measure if they're paying attention to that or if they're looking at other things. Thus, the benefit of the new virtual platform, we didn't have those tools. And it's not something we publicize to the audience. We do to the uh, sponsors, those shop owners that are sending. We say, we have these tools available where it'll show if they're starting to surf other sites when they're supposed to be paying attention here. And as Randy suggested, intermittently through these sessions, you stop, ask questions, and make sure you do the hands-up feature or get on camera and answer a question. And that way, we're able to tell the customer, yeah, they absolutely did not bail 
right after signing in. Have you guys seen it all about the new ASC testing where you can do it virtually? I've actually done that for the last two years and it's worked well. Um, it's different than going and taking the test on the computers. Instead of it being about all of the other stuff that we used to take, it's more cutting edge that they're asking you not just to test your previous knowledge since it's for research. It's actually pushing you to learn newer knowledge that you may not have been exposed to. And they give you roughly 12 sets of questions from A1, A9, and L1 to help give you that extra here. And that seems to be working well to get newer information out there. I think what Tara is referring to, though, is the actual taking the test virtually at home on your computer, but you have to be on webcam and you have to show the room it's completely empty. Okay. You have to show them on camera that you don't have post-it notes hanging on your wall where you got the answers. It's called ProProctor. If ASE realizes the, the value in making sure the integrity of the ASE is done in this, take it at home, but it's got to work. It's got to be right as if you were in a class. Maybe virtual training, guys, and, and I'm not saying that we'll ever get the, to this level, but if we really want to have quality people that know their stuff. I mean, people go to an app auto care center and you guys promote the hell out of it. You have a vetting process to be sure it's of high quality. You want to make sure that the work's getting done right. And that's why training is such a huge and important part of your world. I agree. I will tell you, you, you mentioned ASE and we are so closely partnered with ASE. It's such an important part because we train, but we don't certify with auto tech. We train so they globally get certified through ASE as an example. We've got some large customers that have given us great statistics. I'll just cite one where they've had of 56 employees that they've hired between January and June of this year that have been through our Build-A-Tech classes, all four series. They've got a 95% retention rate, which is astounding. But when you take it to ASE, their ASE pass rate is 20% higher than the national average. Because part of the back classes, customers can decide to keep us in for ASE test prep. And we do a half a day or a full day of that. And what that does, of course, you've taken the ASE tests, I'm sure. It's an awkward test. Not like they're trying to trick you, but technician A said this and technician B. It's like things we've never seen going back to college or high school. So that prep class absolutely helps. And it's evidence from the stats of success. I just think you just nailed the umbrella title of this episode. Training equates to retention. And, and talk about paying for training. If you want to go get it, go to a conference, well, go. I'm not paying your way. I'm not paying your time. I'm not paying your way. I'm not paying for your certifications. When are we going to stop this insanity attitude? I'm sorry, I'm on my soapbox now of certain shops. I'll bet you guys, when you go out to one of your premier clients, be it NAP AutoCare or Gold certified, they're all doing what's right. I mean, they're embracing training, they're paying for it, they're looking for all the AC certifications that they could get to put the posters up on the wall, the certificates up on the wall. That's a positive, positive culture. And guess what? It shows in the relationship and the quality they perform for their customer. Isn't it interesting? It's all connected. Absolutely. And what you just described for those shops, and there are many of them out there, their advertising expense is real minimal because when you're doing those right things, the word of mouth is just the best advertising. Like, why, why do I have to do anything out there when one friend tells another and they tell two friends and so on. They're like, Scott, I've got business months out because of that. So you do the right things to your point, Arm, and it's going to pay dividends. It's not hard to sell training, or maybe is it, guys? 
It can be because sometimes the owners don't want to have that technician out of the shop for eight hours a day for three days a week, four months in a row. He doesn't want to give the guy up for those 12 days. He's looking at the dollars he's losing in the bay that day, not looking at the dollars he's going to make you in the future because now he has a new skill set. I'm sorry, I'm being a little opinionated today, but when I think of I'm a shop owner and I've got this team and I have to train them, I also have to give them some good benefits like PTO vacation time. And hey, listen, I'm going up to the mountains with the family. I'm going to go the third week of July. Great. Enjoy yourself. Just go. We figure out how to do business with that person gone for those five or six days a week, don't we? Well, there's this class coming up in four weeks that we're signing you up for. I can't let you go to daytime. That would be terrible. I can't survive without you, but you survive with all my PTO time. How did we make that work as a company? You're absolutely right. They can find a way to do it for the PTO. And they'll find a way to do it for training too, especially once you can get through their mind and get them to change their mindset and realize that this is an investment in the future of your business. It's not just money out of your pocket today. This is an investment you're making in that person. Now this person is going to stay. They're not going to want to leave. They're going to stay with you because you're investing in them. You're trying to make them a better technician so they feel more like family now. They're going to want to stay. It's the same analogy when someone calls in and they're, they're just thick. They're honest to God. Look at what COVID did to us. We survived it. We'll, we'll survive somebody getting sick or getting the flu in two days. It was out for two days. And I can't believe how hard you guys worked to cover for Joe. And Joe went to class and he's coming back and, he, and we're all going to be better because of Joe going to class. Do we ever stop and think of that? Well, the other real big positive is you take a guy that's just doing lube work and he's producing maybe $150 worth of revenue. Now you send him to class, he gets up to a C level. Now he's bringing in 12 to $1,800 an hour. And I can't think of many owners that wouldn't want that contribution coming from each bay. Okay, just, yeah, I agree with you, Alan. It's all the benefit financially for those business owners. Boy, they truly, we're in an environment right now where they have to have a value proposition for their employees, their technicians, because everyone's trying to steal everyone away for a quarter, 50 cents an hour. And heck, you can throw a lot of different bennies like you described, but I can remember back when there was a company that invested in Scott and sent me for training. I felt valued. And boy, they want to grow me. They must see something in me. And we get that same sense from these techs that companies are sending to build the tech to grow them from within. They're less apt to jump ship for those little meager 25 to 50 cents an hour jumps. And uh, yeah. that goes back to the stats I share about the 95% retention. So look at, I think I know your answer to this question. I really do. So do we hire for aptitude or we hire for attitude? I'll tell you what, I've hired people in shops because I was managing shops, working in a shop and attitude and aptitude hasn't failed. I can teach them. I can fill in the blanks. I can train. If they have the attitude and aptitude to work on cars, they can have a great career doing this work. And that's what makes me proud when somebody goes through our build a tech program and starts evolving. I know they're going to take care of their family and they're going to take care of their kids. And that's a good day for Carmen. 100% agree with you. I, I've hired many, many, many technicians in my career or a lot of different businesses. And by far, I want to hire a person that's got a good ethic and a good attitude and a, a good work mindset. And I can teach him the other stuff. I can teach him how to work on a car. I can teach him how the car works. I can teach him how that part works. But I cannot teach them work ethic. 
they have to come to me with that. I can't teach that. And it has to be instilled in them before they get to me. So I'm looking at their work ethic and their attitude more than what their skill set is when they come to me. I've hired many, many technicians that came to me as a master certified technician. They got all the certificates they could ever want, but they had a terrible work attitude and they ended up being a cancer in my shop. And I ended up having to let them go so they didn't take the rest of my shop down with them. Great example, Randy. They've got to be coachable. They've got to be trainable. Got to be flexible. And heck, you know, we're looking for folks that are going to end up being mentors for the next generation. They got to have confidence in themselves where they're not thinking, I'm hiring my replacement. No, you're hiring the salvation of our future. So, you know, get over it. Let's uh, keep great attitudes. Preach it, Scott. Preach it. I'm sorry. Just, (laughs) I don't want to come across desperate, but hey, we are now certainly recognizing for many years this mass exodus of the aging technician. Nothing we can do to prevent that, but we're putting tremendous effort for this new grassroots group, whether it's high school students, guidance counselors. Heck, Alan and I will be at Maplewood High School here and on too long from now, celebrating their technical uh, wing, their class that's graduating, just trying to keep them engaged, letting them know there is a future. So uh, we got to do more and more of that. And we've got the commitments from our supplier partners that have tra- training arms, be it Eklund, Drive. Oh, heck, we've got uh, Dorman Products has a great training arm. And we're all collectively joining forces to try to get this next generation into the industry. We have no choice. So exciting to hear. I want to wrap this up by give each of you a last word to really lay something up to our our great listeners who always, always learn something in these shows. But Alan, you said something, a one word. I love to pick words out and try to create word pictures out of them. And you said the word evolving. We talk a lot about it in our industry, about career pathing for people that come in and show them a way. And we could say, well, we're going to show you this great career path in our company. What if we said, we're going to develop an evolving way. You can be the best of the best. We're going to help you evolve. I love that word. Please, the industry, pick up on that word and use it with career pathing. Now you got $10 words in helping an individual find a home, stay at home, and groom and grow inside your company. Absolutely. And I'd like to add one thing to that, Arm, is uh, if you steal a technician, he's likely to be stolen from you. When you build your own and invest in a person and they feel that you are looking to make their career evolve, they become, as you said, sticky. And how much better can that be instead of having a revolving door? You have people that really want to grow your business because they feel a part of it. And that's the ultimate goal in my mind. Wow, this is great. I'm going to go around the room, give you each an opportunity for a last word, last message. But thank you guys so, so much. Scott Cachetta, Alan Bass, and Randy McClure, all from Napa Training. This was great. I think you inspired me a lot. I think we got a strong message across to our industry. So let's go, Randy, Alan, and Scott. Uh, last word, Randy? First off, Carm, what class do you want me to sign you up for? All of them. I have three years worth of work with you, buddy. All right. No, no, but yeah, you're absolutely right. We've got to change the mindset of owners and they've got to understand that this is not just an investment and an expense, but it's an investment in their business's future and that person's future. As a shop manager in the past, there was nothing better for me as a manager than to know my person is learning something and going to be a better technician, make a better living for himself than his family. Now his kids are going to do better. His kids are going to have better things. And to me as a, an instructor, 
when I was still teaching classes, that was the highlight of my day when I could sit and know that I just taught that person something that's going to make his future better for him and his family. And it makes me go back to the hotel at night and I can sit and I call it the warm and fuzzy. I get that warm and fuzzy feeling that I just helped somebody. And that's what keeps us all doing this. And so I, I know that's what makes Alan want to keep doing this as well. God as well. I mean, we're all in the nest because we want to help people get better. Nothing like a personal satisfaction that makes you sleep good at night. How cool is that? Thank you for that, Randy. Absolutely. And I agree with what Randy said. It's what makes all of our trainers push to be better every day. When you see the light bulb click on and you know that they are going to buy in and if they're going to be a technician, why not be the best technician you can be? Make yourself worth more. Then you're going to make more money, help your organization grow. And at the end of the day, after my 40 plus years in the business, I look back and it's been a really good ride. And I'm hoping I can pass that on to the next generation. You're teaching your training technology and all that stuff, but you're probably also saying to the exactly those words of personal growth. Do you help these people understand the, the opportunities that they have in front of them? Absolutely. I bring that up. Yes. Sorry, Randy. Oh, that's okay. Oh, yeah, we definitely try to do that yes. every time to let them know that this is to help them and make them better. Excellent. Hey, uh, I'm going to let you uh, take the last call here at our cool little bar, Scott. Hey, this has been a lot of fun, Carm. We appreciate you giving us this opportunity. I'll tell you, I speak for the three of us. We said it earlier, selling training is not easy, but no one said it was going to be easy. It's important, though. We always have the message to these shop owners. You've got to invest. You just you can't wish that you're going to get the results. you got to invest. It reminds me of a story of that guy who was on his knees praying, saying, please, let me win the Powerball. Let me win the Powerball. And he doesn't win it. Next week, he finds out Mega Millions is over a billion dollars. He's praying, please, please, let me win it. Finally, the next week, praying one more time. And God says, hey, come on, beat me halfway. Buy a ticket. So it's really incumbent on shop owners. Take that leap of faith. Let your technicians go to training. Pay the bill. You will not be dissatisfied. You'll be overwhelmed by the success. Appreciate again, Carm, the time. Scott Cachetta, Alan Bass, Randy McClure from uh, Napa Auto Tech Training. Thanks, guys, for being here. Thank Thank you for having us. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.